I'd like to begin this one, of course, my friends, with a land acknowledgement. But not always the same. See, what I mean by that is, we have come to the point where even our land acknowledgements have become pointless. And what do I mean by pointless? The purpose of a land acknowledgement is not a checkbox. You are not doing a land acknowledgement to say, okay, I have done enough, I have pleased a certain crowd, and that's it. That's all there was to do. The purpose of a land acknowledgement is to interrupt the purpose of whatever it is that you're doing, whether it be a meeting, a educational session, a classroom, whatever it may be, to interrupt it and reflect as to what it means to be an occupier if you are an occupier, what it means to be a settler, and what it means to conduct your business, whatever it may be, on stolen land. So it's not just to say, I am here today recording for you on stolen land. It is me saying, for example, as an example, I am only able to record this podcast for you, this episode for you. I was only able to learn what I needed to learn to record this podcast episode for you because of the privileges I had growing up on stolen land, the privileges I continue to enjoy as long as I remain here. This is an inalienable fact that I am a settler. Whether it be that tomorrow I intend to leave or the day after or the week after, what matters is that I am a settler and that I must reconcile with this, that there is actions that must be taken in order for me to do whatever I can do to assist in the destruction and total dismantling of the settler colonial state. That is what it means to say, always was, always will be. Because what we have seen is the tendency, and I'm going to talk about this in another context very soon, but the tendency to merely acknowledge the material reality. That is to merely acknowledge the reality we are in and the conditions of it, and that is it. Without ever reflecting on our position in it. Without ever reflecting on why we are where we are and why are able why we are able to do what we are able to do. It is, of course, with this in mind that we constantly say to ourselves, always was, always will be. We shout it. Always was, always will be. Always was, always will be. But how do we reflect always was, always will be in our works, in our meetings, in our businesses, and our conducts on stolen land? Because it's not enough to simply say it always was and it always will be without us ever once reflecting on what we will do to make sure that it will always will be. Because it's not always going to be if we are doing everything in our power to ensure that it isn't, if we are doing everything in our power to continue to assist in the dispossession and the marginalization of the custodians of this land. And so, our responsibility as settlers is, as I just said, to do whatever is possible for us to bring about the dismantling of the system which maintains a binary of settler and non-settler, of colonizer and colonized. So long as this binary remains of First Nations and non-First Nations, of people who have occupied land which is not theirs, and to the privileges, whether it may be of their birth, of their skin color, of their background, of the language that they speak, of how they look, of how well they assimilate themselves into whiteness, this binary will continue to bring about one conclusion, and that is the destruction of First Nations sovereignty through the genocide, through the continuation of genocide. To end the genocide, we must end the binary. The only way in which for us to end this binary, of course, is, as I have stated, to end the settler colonial state.
it is in this mind now that we have seen some eight or ten hours ago for those who are listening later it is the 10th of february on saturday about eight or nine hours ago netanyahu put out a statement telling the iof that they must evacuate Rafah, that they will be conducting a military operation in Rafah, and they must quote-unquote evacuate for those who are not so familiar with Gaza's geography, Rafah is the very bottom. It cannot get any further south. Any further south is Masr, is Egypt. So what he is saying is to the 1.5 or 1.6 million Palestinians who are currently stuck in a very small parcel of land wedged between rubble and destruction and a border which on both sides is being maintained shut and it's so, so long as it remains shut, there is only one understanding of this message. Push the Palestinians against the gate until there is no option but for them to enter Egypt, forever being displaced. With Israel's ethnic cleansing campaign, in their eyes, a success. It is a success so long as the Palestinian people have been displaced from their land, never to be allowed back on it. So long as they can no longer maintain their relations with the land, so long as they no longer can maintain the conditions and health of the land for the Israeli Zionist settler colonial state, the apartheid state, this is enough. This was their intent from the very beginning. It's critical to understand this is their intent from the very beginning because what we see time and time again in every single historical example of a settler colonial state is this following claim. Whatever we have done to here to is as far as it goes. Whatever we have done up until now is all that we will do. We will not do further, we will not do less. What I mean by that is every single time they occupy a land and they commit the first stages of genocide, the first lie they say is that this is as far as we will go. We will commit no further genocides. We will end the genocide here. We have done enough. I'll give you one example save for of course Gaza and the first nations here or 260 plus in algeria when the french first occupied it in the earlier stages of the 19th century of the 1800s the claim was that this settler colonial land grab in north of africa was only for economic purposes that they were only going to assist the Algerians in becoming a modern people. A modern people. What a wonderful claim. Of course, let's set aside the fact that by modern they meant European. Not modern, just European. But not fully European, just European-ish. European enough to understand why capitalism must exist. But not European enough to enjoy the benefits of it. Just European enough to hand over the goods. That's all. Not enough to enjoy the production, not enough to enjoy the labor, not enough to enjoy the wealth, just enough to hand over the goods for a meager salary. That is all. So they began their land grab and within about 12 years or so had mostly, they claim, pacified the north. Of course, they never actually pacified Algeria. Because we know that the next 120 years is a history of not just revolution, of not just retribution, but of uprisings. 
of continuous and unceasing anger, of continuous and unceasing rage, and of continuous and unceasing hope. That was the Algerian cause. So in reply, the French began their campaigns of retribution, beginning first, of course, by massive displacement. We are talking on the sum of some millions of Algerians forever displaced. Their villages destroyed, rounded up into concentration camps, some of them containing more than 100,000 Algerians at any given moment. And the claim, of course, was simple. This is not genocide. This is merely for security purposes. We cannot trust the Muslim Algerians. We cannot trust the Algerians because we bet that in their sacred homes, that in their coveted privacy, they are plotting against us. And since we cannot trust them, we cannot trust them to be docile subjects of the empire, we must keep a continuous 24-7 supervision of their every going and coming. It just so happens, of course, that when you're in a concentration camp, there is no going and coming. You're stuck there. And so people were stuck in these concentration camps for the entirety of the revolution, some 11 or 12 years, from 54 to 62. Eight years. This goes to show why I was never good at maths. <laughs> Nevertheless, stuck in these concentration camps, those who were not compliant, as in those who refused to enter the concentration camps, or those who put up a fight when they were being rounded up, or either put down, killed, or fought in kangaroo court-like style combat where you would have the full might of the French paratroopers and army against a couple guys. That's it. Sometimes they didn't even have guns. But you can't dare tarnish the reputation and ego of these great fragile empires. So they send out their best and finest and maybe they kill a chicken or two. Potentially they might steal some couscous but that's really about it. <laughs> Nevertheless, what is important to note is that through this 120-year occupation of Algeria, at every single stage that the French increased their measures in claims of security or other bullshit measures, they always maintained the same party line. This was not genocide. This was not a bad thing. Rather, it was just for our security. That if we do not do this, if we do not maintain a constant surveillance of the Algerian people, then they may kill us. They may just one day swim across the you know Mediterranean Sea and find us in our homes in Paris and kill us. So, of course, we must, must keep ourselves safe. I hope you can see the parallels. <laughs> I hope you are seeing the parallels. What I am trying to say, and I'm going to move straight back to Palestine now, is that these arguments made by settler colonial states have never changed. I just told you about arguments made by a settler colonial state from over a hundred years ago. We are now currently in the 76th year of the occupation by the Zionist settler colonial state, the apartheid Israeli regime. And still, in 2024, they are claiming that what they are doing is merely for security purposes. That the Palestinian people are inherently violent and that they will lash out if the Israeli puts down his gun. If they just put down the gun, oh, big problems. Thankfully, though, we're not that obtuse. They can't get us just like that. We're not going to fall for it, are we? I mean, I'm not so convinced because we still see, we still see the colonial game and it hasn't stopped. 
we still see our governments and our politicians tell us that what they are doing is for security purposes. That if they do not support the Israeli cause, then all of the Palestinians are going to go and kill all of the Israeli people. Do you notice the projection? We are talking about an ongoing genocide in which in the past few months over 30,000 Palestinians minimum, if not 40,000, have been killed. We are talking about a genocide in which over 1.6 million people have been permanently displaced, if not more. Again, who knows how many? Aha, see that? Who knows how many? What a wonderful point, isn't it? Who knows how many? We could bring it up. Who knows how many? You're right. Who does know how many? See, what I don't believe for a moment is that the Israeli occupation force does not know down to a hair strand how many Palestinians it has killed or otherwise injured. It knows. It'll claim that it doesn't. It'll bring up bullshit like, oh, the Hamas-run health ministry and all that rubbish. It's still a health ministry. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter who controls it. It's still a health ministry. But of course, it's only when the apartheid-run settler colonial state terrorist regime gives us a number that we must trust it. Not when you know a certain organization in Gaza gives us one. Oh no, we can't trust them. But we can certainly trust the organization which is here to kill over thirty thousand people, which is here to kill nearly ten thousand children, who has here to killed an uncountable amount of children below the age of one. So you want me to believe their numbers? over the others. Of course, how can I be so mistaken? On one hand, I have the Palestinian people, people who have been oppressed and colonized for 104 years, 104 years, not even including the Ottomans. We are simply looking at the British and the Israeli apartheid state. And you know what? I think it's time, high time that we start saying the British apartheid state because the policies which are currently in place started under the British mandate of Palestine. And I'm going to give you just one simple example for why I believe it so. And this is only one number from a great many. In the peak of the British mandates, towards the end of the 1930s, before the World War II began, what we saw was that for every 100 Palestinians, some 30 were in a school. For every 100 Jewish settlers, nearly 9 of the men were in school and seven of the women in school. This disparity is not a cultural disparity. It is not that the Palestinian people did not wish to be educated because they are by far the per capita one of the most educated people in the world. No, it is because in 28 years of the British mandate they had not built a single new school for the Palestinian people. Not a single new school for the Palestinian people. In the same time they built thousands of new schools to accommodate for a population which was still only a percentile and a tiny one at that. And this is the reality that we are in. It is no wonder then that when a policy such as this is in place that the following state continues it. That is, when the British mandate set up apartheid policies, it is no surprise to me that the regime which had thus far profited off the apartheid policies is in no rush to abolish them. It is in no rush, Israel is in no rush, to abolish the policies and the thinking and the ideology which has allowed for its rise to exist, which has allowed for it to occupy the lands that it has this far occupied for over 76 years. 
in its official capacity and some 28 years under the British mandate, which in all honesty should have been renamed to the British colonial mandate for a Zionist settler colonial state. This was the case because what they termed mandatory Palestine or the Palestinian mandate or the British Palestinian mandate, it doesn't matter what they called it. The fact is that the policy which allowed for it to exist and it was done through the League of Nations, the League of Nations, we can thank the modern world, not only Britain, but we can thank the modern world for why we are where we are. It's dictated that the Zionists were not quite ready yet to take over. That the conditions weren't right yet. So how would they deliver the material conditions required for a self-sustaining state? A self-sustaining state. That was the goal. 28 years of preparation so that come 1948, the British would simply hand over the keys and business as usual. Now, let's return to the modern for a little bit. I like to jump between the modern and the past, if only because we must dispel the idea that what is happening currently is unprecedented. Yes, the death, destruction and the methods in which to procure and to cause these deaths is unprecedented, but the ideology which has allowed for this carnage to occur is not unprecedented. This ideology, which has been in place for over 76 years, again not including the British mandate, over 76 years has brought Israel great stolen wealth. Not only from the wealth that it has stolen from the Palestinian people, but from the wealth that the Palestinian people would have had had they been allowed to participate to the same economic greats as Israel has. Because as we are well familiar, Israel has special privileges. There are things Israel is allowed to procure at certain prices that no other state is allowed to procure. There is a fact that Israel can procure goods and items from the United States of America that no other state can. It is still the love child of the West. This privilege has yet to be revoked. It is no surprise to us then that in the latest escalation to the genocide, there has yet to be a blink of an eye. That when Netanyahu can say, amongst all the other genocidal claims and comments he has made, that there will be a military operation in Rafah, where the gate is, where the border is, and so there must be an evacuation of 1.8 million people, the West can simply nod their heads and say yes, this is for security purposes. The same way the world nodded its head and said yes when the French told them that the relocation of millions of Algerians into concentration camps after World War II, after World War II, was for security purposes. And the West simply said yes. And you know what? And you know what? I'm just going to revisit World War II for a moment. I'd like to remind us all that the policies of ethnic cleansing and genocide which were upheld in the Second World War were not unprecedented, that the ideas had first been perfected on the people of Africa, on the people of the Americas, on the people of Asia, on the First Nations across the world. They had first been the test subjects for what had then been perfected in Europe. This was not unprecedented. There were tens, if not hundreds of millions of people slaughtered, slaughtered in the colonies. This was not unprecedented. And so, once the war in Europe ended, the genocides continued without any qualms. It was quite clear to us all that when the Europeans said, when the Europeans said, never again 
what they had meant was never again to a white man. Never again against white people. Never again against the white Europeans. It had never meant it for us. Because if it had meant it for us, come 1946, the 1st of January, we would have all been free. Come 1950, we would all have been free from not only the Europeans, but from the CIA. Come the 1960s, we would have been free from imperialism. Come the 1970s, we would be prospering. And come 2023, we would all have wealth and riches which they have continued to steal from us until the modern day. And in 2024, the new year, we would not be seeing another genocide. And yet this genocide which has continued for over a century will continue so long as these states are permitted to profit of genocide. So long as this claim never again is never once actually upheld, they will continue to be genocide. We're unsurprised. We are unsurprised. And it is why for me, I have zero hope or expectations that these political parties, which exist on stolen land, which have made their wealth and power from the resources, wealth and sovereignty that they have stolen. It is no surprise to me that never once will you find them even murmur the word ceasefire. Ceasefire. Not an end to the genocide. Not an end to the occupation, not an end to the apartheid, just a momentary pause. Ceasefire. Not liberation, not freedom, not retribution, not even the mention of monetary compensation. None of this. No, no, no. Not even the bare minimum pause. Not even a ceasefire, just pause. Not once. We are at the stage where, quite honestly, in my frank assumptions, I would assume that there will be some 50,000 dead Palestinians, murdered Palestinians, martyred Palestinians, before the world even moves a muscle. And then we will see that Gaza will be empty. Israel, which has made its intent clear that it hopes to empty Gaza, has yet to hear to hear a single word telling it no. Not a single voice has said pause, not a single voice has said to maybe reconsider nothing. Why? Because the conditions for the current genocide have been put in place by a policy of let and let live. Let Israel do as it wishes and we will simply mind our own business. We will profit and we will ignore. We will profit and we will ignore. And when the conditions get bad, we will again ignore. We will stifle, we will pretend that it is not happening and we will ignore. This is the policies of genocide. This is the policy of not only a bystanderism, but active involvement in the production of consent for genocide. It is through these states in actions that we are told we must simply just move on, forget about it, live life as though it's not a big deal. How? Regardless, setting aside the how, I'd like to bring this podcast episode back a few months ago. There was a fundraiser for the Olive Kids that we had organized in the University of Melbourne um, opposite the Law Library in the, I think it's Lincoln Square Gardens, (laughs) I never remember what it's called, and we had marketed, we had marketed the event, 
strictly as a fundraiser for the children of Gaza. Not for anyone else, it's just an Olive Kids fundraiser for the children of Gaza. That was all it was. And my involvement on the day was as a marshal, I was meant to keep the peace. We had been told rumors that there were to be counter-protesters and we must prepare ourselves for this possibility. That there would be people who heard the words fundraiser for the children of Gaza and intend to counter-protest. As though it is a protest we are holding which can be counter-protested. As though it is a rally we are demanding. No, it was merely a fundraiser. Regardless, on the day, we had two Zionists attend and... <laughs> I laugh every time I think of it. They attended and hoped to have heckled our speakers and the first time the word genocide had been used, immediately they heckled our speaker. We don't agree with the usage of that word, we think it's inflammatory, so on and so forth. As though they had the license and the monopoly and the patent on the use of the word genocide. As though there was not genocide before them and as though there was not genocide after them. As though genocide could only exist so long as it's being committed against the Jewish peoples. But there was no genocide elsewhere. To them I ask, what do we say about the Congo? What do we then say about what Churchill did to the Indians when he purposely had starved them? What do we say, for example, about the Ottoman starving of Mount Lebanon in the earlier parts of the 1900s? What, what do we call these things, if not genocide? What do you call a policy which brings about the death and murder of hundreds of thousands and millions of people, if not genocide? Regardless, I had a hunch feeling that this was being recorded, and so what I did was take him to the side, and my plan was to simply waste his time. I wasted his time. <laughs> we went around in circles. He told me his points, and I would just simply not give him what he wanted. You see, we can go around in circles and circles and circles. I'm never once going to bring up the word Hamas. And I'm never once going to bring up what you want me to bring up, because I know what you want. And this is the truth. When you get into an argument with any kind of Zionist, they're going to bring up talking points that will force the conversation in directions that it doesn't need to be. And what I mean by that is, we are talking about genocide. What does it bother me, what the Hamas constitution in the 1980s, which, mind you, they have updated numerous times, said? I don't care what it said in the 1980s. What I care about is what the IOF is doing now, in 2023-2024. I care about the act of genocide. I don't care about what a piece of paper says. I don't care about what the intent the piece of paper showed, if it has yet to be materialized. I care about what is being materialized currently. That's what I care about. But anyways, what had struck out, had stuck out, sorry, had stuck out from this conversation wasn't any of these talking points, except for one point, when I had brought up the fact that Israel's long-term plan in Gaza was as complete and utter obliteration, emptying, and ethnic cleansing. And he immediately jumped at me. Not physically, but verbally. No, I completely disagree. That's not Israel's long-term plan. No, no, no. They're just going to get rid of Hamas, and that's it. And they're going to leave Gaza, and they're not going to go south. And I said to him, they're bombing Khan units, like right now, like they are literally bombing the south of Gaza right now. And if that is not a complete siege of Gaza, I don't know what it is. 
And so he said to me, no, 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 that's not true. That's fake. That's fake news. They're not bombing Khan Yunus. They're not bombing the south of Gaza. They are only bombing the north. They are not bombing the south. The south is a safe zone. The Palestinians know. Actually, I think he called it the Arabs. The Arabs know that if they go south, they'll be safe. They only need to go there, but it's Hamas who's not letting them go. And it's Hamas and it's everything comes back to Hamas. Magically, it is somehow always Hamas. In all of this, in the midst of genocide, I am meant to believe that it is Hamas. I am meant to believe that in an active genocide, it is not the genocider to blame. It is not the party that is responsible, directly responsible for the killing. Again, as I have stated, of over 30,000 Palestinians. And mind you, of course, its own hostages. Oh no, I must not blame them. Then who is to blame? But it doesn't matter. See, this was all just a game for the Zionists. He knew exactly what he was saying. He knew exactly what I meant. We both knew exactly what was being said. Yes, I know Israel is doing genocide. I just much prefer he didn't use that word because then it makes it clear as day what we are doing. I'd much rather you use words like casualties and so on and so forth. To be quite frank, I'm not interested in the policing of language, especially not by a party who is interested only in the continued devastation and destruction and expansion of the settler colonial state. I have no business with them. The same way that they have no business with me. You see, I don't waste my time with them. <laughs> Had it not been for the marshalling, I would never have discussed anything with him. But what I learnt, of course, what I gained from this 30-minute long painstaking conversation with a party who was only interested in complete lies and lying to my face is that they know they see it the same way they pretend that they don't but they know because there is no way in which to see a death toll which rapidly rises every day and believe the same lies rather in my opinion it is almost a form of self-care it is almost a form of mental reaffirmation it is them reaffirming to themselves that their state the settled colonial state is a good state and maybe just maybe if they tell it to us enough they might believe it too they might believe it too but the thing is we're never going to believe it and i know he i know that they will not believe it but nevertheless the point had been made what had been happening in gaza at that point in time to this particular zionist was not genocide was not ethnic cleansing these words were too prickly no 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 now with the recent announcement by netanyahu that there will be a complete evacuation of Rafah, which means that the 1.6, 1.8 million Palestinians trapped against the boundary gate must have only one path to take, and that is into Suez, into Masar, into Egypt, out of Gaza. Those who had remained, much like the Algerians who remained in Algeria when the French attempted to round them up, will be dealt with according to Israel. This is an important word, dealt with. It is as though the conclusion is foregone. What I tell you and what I tell Israel is that the conclusion had been foregone, yes. The conclusion had been foregone over 76 years ago when it had already been pre-written and predestined that any settler colonial state would die. They would die in not 
in not a fiery death, but rather a slow poisoning of its own doing. It is the states, the settler colonial states, that eat their own poison, that prepare traps and step in them. It is them who gradually dehumanize themselves every single time they fail to dehumanize. And I tell you, they fail every single time to dehumanize the Palestinian people, to dehumanize the colonized people, to dehumanize the subaltern people. Because there are people whose pride will never be subsided, who cannot be placated, nor gotten rid of, nor domiciled, nor any other word to suggest that their position as sovereign owners and custodians of their lands will never be ceded. And it will never be ceded to violent conquest. Rather, the violent conquest is only a status quo. It is only in the here and now. But the land had been theirs for thousands of years, the land will continue to be theirs, and in a thousand years, in a thousand years, if we somehow manage to avoid the impending climate disaster brought on to us by these settler colonial states and imperialists, we will find that when the dust settles, the Palestinian people will still be there, the First Nations people will still be there, but you will not find inside a single settler colonialist, they would move on to their next venture. This is critical. And this is where I would like to end it. When we hear these words told to us by people like Netanyahu and Sisi and the like and Biden, who, quite frankly, I'd be surprised if he made it another year, let alone four. We must always keep in mind that these imperialists have no interests in telling the truth because they know it. The truth cannot, however, Bring them their profits. It is their profit and the classes they protect. That is the bourgeoisie people who have put them in the power, which will profit off lies. It is through lies that the French promised that they would bring the Algerian people modernism. It is through lies that the Palestinians were told that the British mandate was temporary, that they would get their freedom. And it is through lies that the Zionists have told the world that they have made Palestine bloom, that it was a land without people for a people without land. This is a lie. We've known it then. They knew it then. We know it now. They know it now. The purpose, however, is not to lose ourselves playing the truth game because it is us, of course, who are the truth keepers that will pass on the truth. But as truth keepers, we cannot waste our energies trying to certify and prove to people who know already the truth that this is the truth. No, my brothers and sisters. We have no interest in playing the truth game. Rather, it's how we act knowing the truth. It's how we act on the truth. That is our purpose as truth keepers, which means more than just taking minimal action. It means being involved in direct action. It means taking every action within your capabilities to ensure that the truth prevails because it is with your sedation, it is with your ending, and it is with your classification that you will no longer be able to act on the truth. The truth requires action. Lies require little other than minor creativity. But to maintain and to upkeep truth, I tell you, from now until the end of your life will take most of your energy. Most of your energy. Because you cannot bring about liberation through inaction. Liberation from the oppressive, from the status quo, can only be brought about by a constant reunification, a constant revolution, 
and a constant instigation and investigation into what are the causes and reasons for how we have reached here and what are the solutions for us to get out of here. We will not bring about the end of settler colonialism through words alone. We will not bring it about uh, bring about its ending through action alone. It is through both. It is through a complete united front against settler colonialism that we will find ourselves victors. It is through solidarity. It is through constant action that we will find ourselves victors. We will never, we will never, we will never, and we will never taste a day of liberation if our time is wasted playing a truth game and infighting between ourselves. This infighting is what has brought us here. 76 years of occupation and never once has the card of liberation been played in a viable way once. 76 years, 76 years and Palestine remains unliberated, not without effort. Its people have tried and tried again and again and again. But it is our own people. It is our own people in power and those in the neighboring regions, but also those in the foreign, those in the imperialist and those in the settler colonialist and those in the West, whose inaction has continued to see the Palestinian people subjected to nothing other than oppression. It is through our inaction that their oppression continues. Because they are taking action, we must also take action. So that's why I implore you, I implore you over and over again, time and time again, action, action, action. Not later, not in two years, now. Our demand is simple. Liberation now. Liberation now. Liberation now now not later not on your terms not when you'd like not when it suits but now we will bring about the ending of the privileged binaries which have separated us from our own wealth our own sovereignty our own custodianship and our own people at the expense of us at the profits of theirs this division can no longer be allowed to exist it is only one demand Liberation now.